So, it's that time of the week again. It's Miller's Game Room, episode 29, the podcast, and that usual like introduction jazz. So yeah, hi, I'm Miller, um, podcast today. If you want to support the show, like, comment, subscribe, five-star reviews, follow on your platform of choice. So yeah, I'm keeping the intro short today because we have a lot to get through today, uh, from visual novel news to, well, late news I didn't talk about because the last episode was done before it was uploaded, so some of this will be a bit old, but some of it will be new too, and uh, yeah, so let's get started with a little channel update, um, last weekend I put up a little video about Black Friday, a little ramble video, decided not to do a featured image for this one, so you get to see my face, and uh, that's up, check it out, uh, I'm planning to do a collection video next, because I've not done those for a while, and people who find my channel tend to find the collection videos first, so I'm going to need to start doing more of those. And this video is going to be on my Wii, Wii U and the GameCube games. I'm just lumping them all together because, one, they're on the same shelf, and two, I don't have enough Wii U or GameCube games to justify their own video. So they're all going to be bundled together, so stay tuned for that. And after that, because it will be December next month, so... That will be the time to talk about games of the year, most anticipated 2023 games and other things, but that won't be the only thing I'll be doing. I've got some ideas on what else to do, so uh, stay tuned for content that's not strictly related to just, all games of the year and that uh, kind of thing. So let's get started. There's a lot of news to talk about. So start with something quite lighthearted. Uh, Pretty Princess Magical Garden Island was announced for Switch. Now this is interesting because this is a upcoming like farming simulation life sim game from Nippon Columbia. It's kind of like the second game in like the Pretty Princess Party like series thing because the game's quite similar. It's been announced for the West first by Axis Games for a spring 2023 release. And interestingly, at the time of the announcement, it wasn't announced for Japan, so it probably will be announced eventually because I mean Nippon Columbia is a Japanese company but it's clear that these releases that they're doing from Nippon Columbia must be making money if they're going to do releases like this. I have wanted to play the original Pretty Princess Party but in Europe we never got a physical release because it got one in the US and then the European one was announced but then was just quietly cancelled so we never got the game so I never played it. Um, and also because I'm not going to just go onto Amazon or somewhere similar just to import like one game because that's a huge waste of uh, aviation fuel to just import one game. So I haven't played it, but I do want to. Maybe I'll jump on this one. I don't know. There's also Cuddly Forest Friends, which looks really cute as well because Cuddly Animals are cute. And uh, yeah, these little cozy games. I need to get on board the Nippon Columbia train. So yeah. Another train that I probably won't be getting on is the Nintendo Switch Sports Golf Update. Uh, this has finally been announced, and that's coming on the 28th of November, so the day this goes up. Um, it features 21 holes from the Wii Sports series, as well as the 8-player online survival golf mode, which is a thing, alongside local play. Um, I'm not too excited for it. I might try it because, well, it's content for Switch Sports, and I own the game and the leg strap. And you need the golf game to play the leg strap. So, yeah, this game didn't come out finished. And that's the kind of, like, why I'm not as excited for it. Because this stuff should have been in the game day one. And the game should have been delayed, basically. Like, there's, I know there's was loads of releases this year. 
and it's not the only one that wasn't re- re- released in time or was released too early. I'm going to come on to that. But yeah, um, I'll give it a try. I'm not excited for it. I'm not on the hype train. It's just, okay, it's out. You finally released a complete product. So guess I'll give it a try. So yeah. And continuing on that trend of games getting patches for things that should have been included at launch, Soul Hackers 2. Uh, that got a 1.02 update. That adds the dash function, the speed up battle mode function, uh, four new demons, bunch of other things I've not noted. Uh, this came out on the 16th, so a week and a half ago. And this stuff should also have been in the game day one, like Switch Sports. And the difference in this case is actually worse because many of these features being added were actually accessibility features and quality of life and things that would have made the game better from what I've heard because I know I've heard the reception for Soul Hackers 2 hasn't been great and that's partly because like for people like the game is okay to good but it could have been a lot better and that's kind of the impression I'm getting from what other people have said. Um, I haven't tried it mainly because I'm waiting for a Switch port and I suspect that one will come next year and we'll have these patches in and all the DLC as well and yeah. And now on to more positive Nintendo news. Uh, Nintendo announced the details for the Maricot 8 Booster Course Wave 3 DLC, and it's looking pretty good actually. Um, it got dated for the 7th of December, so if you're looking forward to it like I am, you can tuck into this in December, which is really cool. Um, the tracks in question, they've announced all of them. Previously they teased two for like no real reason, I mean they could have just announced them all up front, but they're here now. Um, First one was shown was Wii Maple Treeway. Uh, this course looks beautiful. Love the music. It's really like it's so cute. I love the visuals. Like the whole like it looks like one of the best courses basically, especially the actual like maple tree itself and adding wiggle assets into the game. Interestingly enough, this was actually part of the leak where a while ago the actual tracks were data mined in terms of what the names were, and this one was originally data mined for. Wave 6. So I think what happened is Nintendo have, obviously they'll be aware of this leak, it was quite publicised, and have decided to mix things up so there's an element of surprise again for the DLC, which to be honest is probably for the best because it kind of like killed the excitement for a lot of people, what are these courses going to be? And now you can now get hyped again because if they're going to move this around then it's hype, hype time. Next one that was shown was 3DS Rainbow Road, this is well, the for 3DS track ported to Mario Kart 7. We have another Rainbow Road, but still only one Bowser's Castle course, which is weird. But anyway, it looks it looks great as well. It looks even better than the 3DS version. Better than the Mario Kart Wii custom track as well, actually. And also good to see anti-gravity added to a course that's not shoehorned in. Uh, there's, obviously, if you've played the game, you have the portion of the course where you fall onto the moon and race on the moon briefly. And that that part now has anti-gravity which is really cool and I'm looking forward to playing that next one is a uh, GBA Boo Lake uh, this one was based off the tour version so I've technically already played it because it was actually added as a custom track for Mario Kart Wii earlier this year if you've played the custom track revolution as part of the updates they rotate tracks in and out and one of the tracks rotated in was a fan-made remake of the tour version of GBA Boo Lake and in that version, you end up going like under the lake. You just go into the lake, so you'll have an underwater section, hopefully, in this version. And it's looking pretty cool. And uh, hopefully, that turns out one of the better courses. Like, 
the in the last wave one of the best courses was actually a remake of a gba track so hopefully this one follows even if it's just a port from tour it will be better than what was in super circuit because that one was kind of boring if i'm being honest next one is a tour berlin byways it uh, looks cool I like the usage of womps as platforms, which has been added in where you can trick off it. So, like, you know, if a womp goes, flattens itself on the ground, you can trick off it. And that's kind of cool. Apparently, that wasn't in the original Tor version. I've not played Tor, because fuck away ball games. And, um, yeah, it looks cool to see that come over. Uh, next set was probably the, like, mostly the weaker ones, but I'll go over them. Uh, 3DS Alpine Pass, or Rock Rock Mountain to you Americans, and uh, DS Peach Gardens. Um, both look fun to race on because again they're, they're great courses but they do they do look among the rough ones visually from the footage in the trailer it doesn't look too great like not as bad as like 3ds toad circuit but like not as good as some of the other ones i think they were ones that had the least like time and resources put into like making the visuals look good but yeah it's good to see put their back especially like with peach gardens like you can like that one was last officially playable online when Mario Kart Wii and DS shut down. And technically, you still can play Peach Gardens online because of Mario Kart Wii. But with Alpine Pass, you, you can technically still play that online as well, officially, in terms of Mario Kart 7. But if you're like me, when you play try to play the game nowadays, it'll just be overrun with hackers. So you'll end up just losing, which uh, isn't particularly fun. So it's nice to have it back in something where Nintendo will actually get rid of hackers and dickheads. So that's cool. Next one is London Loop. It's, well... It's a course set in London. It looks alright. looks like a very faithful adaptation of London. Especially like the, the, the wheel, the scene, the Houses of Parliament with the clock tower that houses Big Ben. Because Big Ben is the bell inside, not the name of the tower. Common misconception. Um, but yeah, looks alright. Uh, final track shown was Merry Mountain. This one, I believe, is in Maricot 4 as well. It looks absolutely beautiful. Uh, easy looking forward to racing on it. Probably like... If you don't include the retro stuff, this is the most anticipated track. I mean, technically all of these are straight from tour, but the tracks that are new to console Mario Kart, they're technically ports as well, but they're basically new tracks to most people. So I'm considering it basically a new track for me. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It does look great. And yeah, overall, the DLC is looking like it's getting better, which is a very good thing because it should have been like full like resources from the beginning but the fact it's getting better it's good but i do think nintendo need to go back to wave one and do some graphical touch-ups so make them look a bit better because even if you've seen mods because people have been modding Mario 8 deluxe and their adaptations and graphical improvements for the tracks are better than what nintendo have done so if fans can do that nintendo really have no excuse but yeah definitely looking forward to this one now on to Game Award nominations, because this happened before my last episode went up. I even like talked about it on my community tab, which I now have, by the way. So uh, if you want to see my post on the community tab, check it out. It'll mostly just be about video uploads and anything important that I want to talk about. But, you know, it's fair. I'm glad I've got it. Thank you, YouTube, for giving it to me. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to assume at this point you already know what they are, because, well, it happened over two weeks ago. By the time this goes up so i'm just going to go for a few comments on it. it won't be as long because honestly a lot of the categories like vr and uh, like major streamers and content creators i'm not too aware of like i'm glad that they're getting recognition but i'm just not too interested in them i don't follow them so i can't really vote for them without really knowing it and like, in terms of major game releases i haven't played either elden ring or god of war ragnarok 
Elden Ring is just too inaccessible for me because if it's, well, it's a Souls game, and I don't want to go into all easy mode discourse again, but yeah, I need an easy version to, of the game to get into it. Accessibility need. And then there's God of War, which has just come out and is also extremely expensive at the moment. Like, I'm seeing in the shops like £60, which is like, yeah, I'm sure the game is great. It does look great, but I'm not paying £60 for a game that's not an import. Like, these publishers are just normalising price gouging, which is fucking obscene. So I haven't played God of War Ragnarok. I do want to, but I'm not going to play it yet. So... As expected, they dominated, which is not surprising because they were like the two major darlings of the year. Um, as for other things, I'm glad to see Stray get recognised, especially for Game of the Year. It's really good to see small indie games get such a huge marketing boost like that. And if I made an indie game, I'd be proud if it came up to something like that. And good luck to the devs. And I'm sure there are other games as well that got indie tier nominated for stuff as well. It's so cool. A uh, big one for me, you can probably guess, was that Xenoblade Chronicles 3 got nominated for three categories. Uh, best Music, Best RPG, and Game of the Year. So, in terms of where I think it will win, um, well, first off, it's worth the nominations by themselves because it means that, well, recognition, exposure, and a part of the Xenoblade soundtrack will be appearing in the orchestral like like composition of all the of some major songs from the games that were nominated, so alongside the likes of, like, Elden Ring, God of War, there'll be Xenoblade and Stray. And that is really cool. And the fact it's there, and I reckon it will probably be... It'll probably be the the uh, the send-off of Seer's themes where they blow the flute and send people off. I think that's probably what will end up being there. Or a major battle theme. And if they do a battle theme, I actually hope it's... Oh, what was it called? Um... There's one song that plays in the game only a few times. The earliest point it plays at the end of chapter one. So when you've one where you find Colony 4, which uh, I'm not going into spoilers there, but if you know the track, you know the track at the end of that set. That's one I think might show up as well. And um, also the battle theme, like you will know our names finale. That was fantastic. Um, as for best music, um, I think it might stand a chance of winning that actually. Best RPG. It'll be between that or Elden Ring, basically. I'm not perfect. Oh, Elden Ring will win, but it's possible. Like I think it, if it's not Xenoblade 3, it will be Elden Ring. And in general, that category was dominated by Switch RPGs. Like, Team Asano got two games on there, like Tranquil Strategy and Live and Live. I think it's interesting that Live and Live, a remake of a Super Nintendo game, got on there, even though it kind of does make sense as a new game because it never got released in the West officially until this this remake. I've not played it either, but I do want to play it. And um, it was cool to see that. And the other categories, uh, the best family category was Nintendo. And there was Mario Plus Rabbids as well, which, like, if I was going to be nominated, that would have made sense in best RPG because that is an SRPG. Like, this year has been great for SRPGs. Triangle Strategy, Mario Plus Rabbids, other things. A lot of great SRPGs have come out, even though I've not played the rest of them yet. Uh, well, probably, actually, probably haven't played any of them, but... I do want to, though. I do. I have uh, too many too many games I want to play, and I don't have the time to do them. Even, like, yeah, it's just, I want to play stuff, please. Uh, other things, I don't believe certain games like Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 should have gotten nominated because of their to- toxicity to publishers, and that does apply to, like, Mario Plus Rapids as well. But it's like, it happens. It's like, much will be public votes, but also judges, so... 
You will have game industry expertise, like deciding who wins as well in terms of their pro voting as well. Uh, probably an anonymous ballot as well, actually. But I'm not sure how it works. I'm sure someone who knows the game wars more than me will be able to comment, but I'm not sure. I don't follow it too closely. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'll be tuning in. Uh, also, regarding the game wars, I hope they actually have some like good announcements. Like, actually, like have some announcements that are good, and people are genuinely excited for. But also, cut it down with the ads. Like a lot of the time, it's just adverts and not actually enough time spent on the awards themselves. Like, I know last year was like five minute chunk, just naming three awards at once and moving straight on to something else. Like, have some more time for the awards, please. And less ads, like, even if it's just ads at the bottom, roll on the bottom of the screen or something like that, just please cut down on the ads because it was ridiculous last time. On to the next part now. Um, Yuji Naka has fallen a lot. And now he's been arrested for the uh, Dragon Quest Tact insider trading scandal. So, for those who don't know, uh, Dragon Quest Tact was a game in the Dragon Quest series for mobile phones released by Square Enix actually got a worldwide release and it's basically like an srpg set in the dragon quest universe and apparently it's good i've not played it because again it's phone shit um and what's happened is that naka has said to have purchased 2.8 million yen or 10,000 shares in the developer aiming ahead of the game's official announcement alongside two other se employees um apparently naka found out in january 2020 so that's interesting and weird but yeah i'm not surprised this, this shit happens it happens on a regular basis in the, the world of capitalism and a few people tend to go down for it to give the illusion of that oh they're doing stuff to tackle this like especially big names like naka they're generally quite rare so it's happening but it's like yeah so it's like kind of a weird timeline, but also it's kind of like not surprising considering some of Square Enix's other like executive starters, like the executive of the company, like the CEO, wanting to focus on NFTs and that kind of money grabbing shit instead of actually valuing the games, which is quite ironic considering how many good games Square Enix have released this year, including single player stuff. Like they're releasing like 35 games by the end of the year, which for a publisher is ridiculous. And there are some great games coming from their lineup. But it's also some duds as well. Hashtag Babylon's fail. So it's interesting to see that. But yeah, it's weird. Uh, next one. Uh, God of War Ragnarok. Talking about that again. Because it was revealed that it sold 5.1 million units in its first week. And it's become the fastest selling first party launch game in PlayStation history. Which, um, yeah, people actually paid those extortionate prices. And... Uh, I hope, hope a lot of those cards were for the PS4, or at least you got them on a huge discount, because, oh my god, paying the prices they're asking for is ridiculous. But yeah, apparently because the game's really good, uh, not surprising, considering it's on two platforms, so PS4 and PS5, so it is cross-gen, and it's probably the most accessible game ever made to date, and that's a huge win, especially if you, you, you have disabilities and you need accessibility features to play these games, so the fact that's a thing is a huge, huge selling point. And unlike The Last of Us Part 1's remake, which also had really good accessibility features, it wasn't the only reason to buy the game. You have a great like game with other things like story and characters and combat and stuff and other things. And you have that in this game and people loved it. So it's good 
hopefully it got those sales, but also like, I hope people got them cheap because the prices are too much for me or not people, so yeah. So I have kind of mixed thoughts on that with regards to the fact that people bought it at those high prices, even though it's done well, which is good for the devs and accessibility in gaming in general, so uh, kind of conflicting. But yeah, if you buy the game, don't pay 60, 70 pounds for it. And then later that day, Nintendo decided to completely uh, overshadow this announcement with a news of their own, which is going to be a bit more controversial. And that news is that Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, which is uh, the newest Pokemon games, sold 10 million copies in the first three days, including 4 plus million from Japan alone, which is ridiculous. That's fucking obscene. It's like just massive size and scale, which is just something that you you don't see very often. And it's like, wow. And that includes both physical and digital sales. And that's just so much. That is a ton to like, release in just three days. Like, It shows the power of the Switch and the power of that fan base and still the power of the franchise. Biggest Pokemon launch ever. Biggest Switch launch ever. Biggest Nintendo launch ever. And the reason why this is controversial are the bucks and all the other things that have uh, come out since it came into play's hands because this game wasn't quite polished. Like, apparently, from what I've seen, the actual core underlying gameplay is good, but the actual game is so full of bugs and glitches that it's quite clear it needed a few more months in the oven so Game Freak could actually get rid of these bugs. And... It's been mocked online, there's been a lot of memes. Uh, my favourite one are the eyes randomly popping out of a character, so like you see this model of a woman or a girl, I'm not sure, I don't know the context, because again, I don't really play Pokemon. And her eyes like stick out to like, in front of her face, so it's basically like if you had Pinocchio's nose, but they were replaced the eyes and they were white and blonde. So that was just hilarious. And things like missing textures, weird animations, graphical cut-throughs, people could fall through the ground and die, and there was even a weird one where, like, where, like, you had a battle scene and a background was, like, thumping, like, bass and, like, buds at a point where it could look like it's something in a Megami Tensei game rather than a Pokemon game, and other ones where you have a scene go on and sometimes people actually just walk right through and it's actually pretty funny, but it's not something you should release and... It's clear the developers at Game Freak didn't have enough time or the resources to properly polish the game before it came out. It's not a case of laziness, it's a case of, well, the demands of capitalism and Pokemon's, like, re yearly release schedule where they try to release a new game every year in the franchise, like, whether it be a game or an expansion or something core, like, that's usually what's been the model for, like, almost since the series inception, I think. And it's not sustainable anymore because it's one thing to make a DS game with a lot of asset recycling, but it's quite another to make a big HD, like open world-ish epic experience, which needs more time. It needs more resources. You need to put more staff towards this stuff and you need to, to spread the time out. And this particular game, if this was delayed for like early 2023, Put it in like after Fire Emblem Engage, after whatever's in February, put it in March, that would have been at least another two months, maybe three to fix the game, and maybe even do a day one patch if necessary. That would have 
eliminated so much of this stuff. And it's something that, like, yes, the cells are good in the sense of it shows how, like, Pokemon still has such huge appeal. It still has that success. It still has, like, so much, like, potential as a franchise. And people still love it the world over. But you need to treat it better. So, actually, like, fix this shit. Get all this patched out and delay the next game to get it fixed. It's okay to take a break. You don't have to release a game every year. I mean, you could even release Arceus as the game to come out this year instead and then put Scarlet and Violet for next year. They could have done that. That would have still satisfied people. And you'd still have uh, the, f the highest global sales for any software on any Nintendo platform within the first three days, just a few months later. So, yeah. Um, it's the same for those who are interested. Like, I hope if you're still playing the game, you can enjoy it despite the bugs and that, but... If you want to wait for a patch, do it, because it will eventually happen. Especially if they end up doing an expansion pass, and that gets, like, a, a release like Sword and Shield did. You'll probably find the game in there with all these patches on cart in the future. So, if you're concerned, just hold out for that. Anyway, I am going to talk a bit about Aquaplus now, because Aquaplus, um, they have, like, news relating to three things they've done and a fan project, which I'm going to come to, and they've... The other stuff's visual novels, so this is going to be about Monochrome Mobius, which is a JRPG spin-off in the Utah Ramo series. And this one also had bugs. And this one's a bit more understandable, because a large company like Nintendo, like, you've all be experienced with this stuff, they should know better, but Aquaplus is a bit more forgiving, because they're mostly known for visual novels. Like, Monochrome Mobius is their, like... Their first major HD RPG. They did do an HD, like, no, they did do a 3D RPG in the past called Tenereza, but that was like 20 years ago for the original Xbox and PC. That's not comparable. Like, for this one, you've got more stuff like, like HD textures, more advanced rendering, stuff like that, and things like that, which is kind of understandable why this one launched with bugs. Um, it was also a global release as well on PC, and the PS4 and PS5 versions can only come out in Japan at the moment. Um, possibly come west later, I think they will, but I'm not going to speculate too much on that at the moment. Um, but then they've had issues of NPC design, like the NPCs, if you look, could put the player character next to an NPC, the NPC will be significantly less detailed to the point they look like a uh, very blocky marionette. It's not very good, and it clashes really badly with the advanced designs of the player. And then text issues, like text not appearing, graphical issues, some other bugs and things, especially on the PC version, which is what people are, like, dealing with. And um, It's also the fact that Shiravune is the publisher, and they are the subsidiary of DMM Games. And Shiravune normally only do, like, visual novels, so... Even the Utah Warmano RPGs are kind of an exception for what they normally tend to do, so... There's also an adjustment period there and a growth pain where they're just not familiar with what to do. So it means things like bugs and that are more likely to sink through. So I can forgive a bit more, plus they are planning to fix it, so I can understand it a bit. And I think, now I've seen all these bugs and that, I think I'm understanding why they haven't announced a console release outside of Japan. Because a 20 gigabyte patch for PlayStation to fix bugs is honestly ridiculous. And... I think the issues in, in Aquaplus's case, if they'd have like launched if they'd have actually like launched a game with a more experienced publisher, especially overseas, I think a lot of these bugs would have ironed out because they would have been able to get the expertise. 
to like speed the development up a bit and ensure that like these bugs were fixed and ironed out. And it also didn't sell too well on its first week. Um, it sold 10k physical on PS4, 5k on PS5 according to Media Create, which um, yeah, uh, launched the same week as Pokemon, which did over like two million physical in Japan. So that's a big reason as to why. Um, SteamDB has a bunch of estimates which estimate between 5 and 13.7k owners. Um, Steam Spy estimates 17k, which isn't bad. Like, you can't give it 100% accuracy because Valve, like, turned all profiles to private, so you can't actually get data on what all Steam players own now, so it's not going to be fully accurate, but that's not bad if it's true, considering it's a PC-only title and is, like... Well, like 50, 60 pounds or no, 50, 60 dollars, but in the UK it was like 46, which is like, yeah, it's too fucking much for that. Like, a console release, fine, but not a PC release. So that's why I have not got it. I want to play it, but I'm definitely going to wait for the bugs. And I do suspect what will happen is next year they will announce a console version for the West. So they'll come over, be comparatively more like fixed and complete. And most likely for Switch as well, because they haven't announced a Switch port. And uh, late Switch ports is what a lot of these companies tend to do to maximise sales. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens here. Now on to the visual novel section now. And we have loads to talk about today. Loads, 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 loads. So starting with a, uh, a Western VN release, uh, Studio Milan released their latest game, Please Be Happy, on PC. Came out a week ago. Uh, the time this goes up, it will probably, the discount for it probably will have ended. But yeah, it's a Yuri VN, basically going to, someone goes to New Zealand and uh, learn about not only to live, but how to be happy. Sounds kind of cute. I've not played it. I don't know when I will, but it'll be in the future. I played the other games earlier this year and they're really great and cute. So yeah, I'm, that's on my radar. Um, next one, uh, Lupus is been announced for the PS4 on the 16th of February 2023. Uh, Prototype are planning to release it worldwide, so that's what they're promising with English, Japanese, and Chinese text. Um, they're gonna have it for 3,520 yen. And I'm gonna say this if you want to get this on PS4, import it. Reason why is because Prototype, when they released ports in the past they had a uh, clanad and fatal 12 they released those like they were like three three years ago and when they released them they only were able to release them in north america so they were on the u.s playstation store and then they were put on the canadian one later but if you wanted to play those games the best thing you could do to play them was actually to import the physical copy because they just like, I think it's because of Sony's approval processes for PSN and getting games over there is a bit more difficult and convoluted compared to releasing them on the Switch, especially in Europe. So it's possible that even though they claim for it to be worldwide, which is what they're probably attempting, they probably won't be able to deliver on it. So I'd say if you, unless you really want to get it digital, like wait for a release on, like, wait for it to come to PC because Visual Arts also said they'd release it on PC and that hasn't happened for some reason. Like, Somebody's actually fan translated the the Japanese PC version of Loopers because the fan the PC like release hasn't happened yet. Basically, like that's when you know you've kind of messed up a bit, and it's just like yeah. So if you really want this digital at the moment, get it on the Switch. If you want to get it on PS4, 
get it physically if they don't release it, which they probably won't, but just my two cents. Uh, now on to the Aqua Plus news again, because we have a part two to all the Aqua Plus epicness. Well, I'm just, I'm very biased there, but you know. Um, so let's begin. Uh, first off, they had a, like, major like, Utawaramono stuff, like they had a stream the other day for Utawaramono news, and, like performance from Suara and other things going on, which was really cool. I did tune into some of it. It is mostly Japanese voice actors waffling, uh, but it was still interesting. Um, I think, like, one of the announcements here wasn't actually, like, talked about then, but I think it was on the website, actually. Um, so the first bit was they announced a Utawaramono Futari no Hakuro Bangai Hen, which is basically an after-story for Mask of Truth. And that's, it's probably going to be, like, a few hours, I'm guessing. Just a short addendum to the game's, like, ending if you've played Mask of Truth, you'll know how it ends. And for me, it's like, ooh, I'd be interested to see how they expand on this. And Or it could just be a fan service like After Story, especially with the rest of the cast that's still there. And then um, in this like little bubble after all the events of the game happen and the world is saved. And uh, yeah, such a beautiful game. Um, so this is actually going to be a bonus physical PC disc which is enclosed with the Blu-ray box set of the Utah Ramone Mask of Truth anime, which is coming out in Japan on 20th April 2023. It will cost far too much money because Japanese anime markets, uh, they are extortionate with the price gouging. Like, I can play about £70 games, but in Japan, just these small sets will cost, like, even more than that. It's fucking ridiculous. It's so bad... Like, if you can buy physical, I mean, in Japan, you're quite privileged, and in the West, we're quite lucky in terms of the fact we get these collector's editions for quite cheap in comparison. It's fucking ridiculous what the prices are charged there. And there's only a kinetic VN, so no choices. And I suspect it will probably just get localized on Steam later on in multiple languages. Like, if it's an Adidam game, unless the, the Utawaramono like trilogy is re released on consoles. Nintendo Switch port, please. Uh, I doubt it will come to consoles because it'll be short. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. And it's cool. It's been a physical PC disc as well. So yeah, although I reckon that somebody who will actually get that set will probably dump the game onto the internet in a matter of days. So uh, yeah, put it on Steam as soon as possible, please, Aqua Plus. Or Sharovene, because let's be honest, Sharovene will end up doing it. And the next one, which is more interesting for me anyway... And this is a, a very, like, surprise announcement. As uh, doing a spin-off visual novel in the Utaramno series called uh, Gizuru Tente Nozuri, or Chivalrous Thief Detective Nozuri. And this is coming for PS4 and the Nintendo Switch! And this was announced in that stream, which I mentioned earlier. It's going to be a digital-only title, and it's partly because of the release date. It's coming out 22nd of December, so literally under a month. So, if you've got a Japanese account for these consoles, you can buy it from the shops there. And it's going to be a Detective VN starring Nozuri, which is, uh, I, I believe it stars for Deception cast. So, it's probably somewhere during like the, the timeline of Deception, I'm guessing, when it happens. And, and it's interesting because Nozuri is like, I remember Nozuri from when I was playing the game, like, she was one of the most interesting characters. And I think that's kind of interesting to see, like, a detective game with Nozuri as the protagonist. And that appeals to me. Uh, this game uses 3D models. 
likely from Zan for its sections, and that's quite clear from the short, like, seven-second teaser or 17-second teaser. And it's, like, it's cool. And, yeah, and the fact that, like, this game's going to have more information in a weekly for Mitsu on, like, I think it's the 1st of December, so probably by the time this episode's out, so I'll have to talk about this properly in the uh, next episode. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to this game. Um, no news on an English release, although I suspect this will get picked up for the West. Reason why is, one, Detective VN, because, again, people like Detective VNs and mystery stuff, and I think this might be standalone. I really hope it's standalone, so that you don't need to play the other games to understand it, unlike Monochrome Mobius, where you've kind of, like, you can play it standalone, but the game acts on the assumption you already know the characters from Deception and Truth. So, yeah, I hope this game actually has truly, truly standalone. And if it gets localised on consoles, which I think it will actually, like, unless they backport it to PC, it will be a console release as well, and it will probably get physical, especially if NS America do it, because NS America, they're very pro-physical, so they would do an imposition for it if they picked it up. I feel confident to assume that. Um, also, as I mentioned before, I'm glad it's coming to Switch, because... Aqua Plus have been very funny about supporting the Switch ever since it came out. Like, back in 2017, understandably, it was a Switch that hadn't released on it before. Their last release, like, for a handheld console exclusively was Dun & Travelers 2.2. And that was after the Switch came out. So, because it was after when the Switch came out, it was always took a while. And even then, they released Dokkapon Up, Muguno Roulette on the Switch in 2020, which is, well the one game they did prior to this announcement, which apparently was okay, but, like, obviously it's, a, it's more of a dock-upon board game crossover game than an actual, like, amazing experience, so I, I can, probably didn't do too great, and probably, and definitely isn't representative of what they do as a whole, but it does have a fan translation, a full, complete fan translation available, which is really cool. But, yeah, I'm hoping for actual proper support now they're actually releasing on the Switch. Better late than never after six years, and uh, starting with this, they'll hopefully will port the main trilogy because, like, yeah, Steam Deck is cool and playing on PC at the moment is the best way to play them, but play them on the Switch with the improved translation fixes and a better quality, like, resolution and stuff because I played the Vita versions of Deception and Truth all those years ago and they weren't too great. Like, you could tell they were they were backported from the PS4, so I uh, don't recommend playing those versions nowadays unless you only have a Vita. But if a Switch port would be amazing. And then, of course, Monochrome Mobius, like I mentioned earlier. White Album 2, which uh, also is a classic. And uh, this is probably more of a really obscure fangirl me. But considering that Act Plus is, like, most popular game in the modern era outside of, like, Utah and Two Heart or White Album is Two Heart 2, its 20th anniversary is in 2024. So perfect chance for that to be brought back and localised, at least for PC, but also for Switch, please. And now onto the final bit of news, which uh, you might have worked out because of the title of this episode. Uh, the mini after story 0.9 patch for White Album 2 has now been released. It came out uh, literally early this week, and I've already played it, so my impressions will be after this. Uh, this patch has 0.9, so it doesn't have all the content for like, the drama CD transcripts and stuff like that, because... This is for the extended edition of the game, which came out for PC back in like 2018. And in this version of their game, it backported um, like 
other drama CD and novel content from other like, releases. System Voices, which are part of the Pillow Talk CD that was a soft map bonus for Closing Chapter. This was back when that version came out in 2012. And in terms of like Vuge novel content, the after stories for both Kazusa and Setsuna's true endings, as well as the after story for Kazusa's normal ending in the extended edition. So basically what that is, is that's backported from the consoles, but also in like White Album 2, you have three parts of the game and in the last portion, which is Coda, which is basically kind of like an open secret in terms of the game. Like you've got introductory chapter, closing chapter, and then after closing chapter, you get Coda, which is basically when the best stuff happens. And you have three routes for that, which is Kazusa and Setsuna's true endings, that's two, and Kazusa normal, which is the third route. So they're the three endings, and these are basically after stories. Uh, at the moment, three or six of the drama CDs aren't translated, but they'll likely be translated soon when the 1.0 comes out, which is really cool. Um, I really like that. Uh, I'm glad this is out, because I was able to experience part of this game again. So that is a great transition to what I have been playing. And I've been obsessing with White Heaven 2 again, which is uh, so cool and amazing. Um... Obviously, I played through the mini after stories. I played through all three after stories in one evening. So I literally, uh, a couple of days ago, literally just sat down, just played all of them. I started with the mini after endings um, for Kazusa and Setsuna, and then moved on to the new scenario. Um, it's I can't really talk about these with much about going to spoilers, so I'm going to keep these kind of general. Um, I felt it was really nice to revisit these characters again and their stories, especially because of the true endings where things are more like most of the drama is now over, basically. And it was so nice having these cute little scenarios, uh, especially the longer scenario, which is like the Kazusa normal, which is longer than the other two. Um, and that ending like, really fleshes out the characters in terms of growth that's not seen anywhere else in the entire story, which is one reason why I loved it. And it's probably the best possible ending of all the ones I've played in the game, so not just the mini after story, but all the other ones as well. Um, gonna keep it vague because, again, I haven't played it, and uh, I'm hoping at one point I can actually talk about all this game at length, probably make a massive video. And that will be fun at some point when that happens. So... I don't know when that will be or if I'll do it, but, you know, it's going to hopefully happen someday. Eventually, hopefully lots of people watch it, even though it probably is going to flop because, again, it's a one-hour video on White Happen 2, which I want to make. But, you know, I'll cross that bridge when I get there. But just say I love this game, and if uh, if you're annoyed by my shilling for it, sorry, not sorry. Please play it and please cry. And uh, fangirl with me because it's fucking incredible and amazing, and uh, I love these characters so much. And I really want Aqua Plus to support this re-release because apparently they like they do like annual stuff for the game each year in Japan, and in this game, like the, the staff at Aqua Plus love the game, the fans love the game, so they still do something every year. Like they've done the anime adaptation with one of them, um, extended editions PC release was another announcement this year. So far, they have said they're going to be doing some like tapestries and stuff they're going to reveal in the winter so in other words uh, probably next month or january and but yeah probably next month actually so hopefully i can talk about that on my uh next episode of miller's game room because i will know about it because i will check and uh yeah the fact they've mentioned it it's like 
10 years since Closing Chapter came out, as well as the PS3 version. So they acknowledge the PS3 port, so that gives me hope they're going to do a port to the Nintendo Switch. Please. I need to stop with the Switch port begging in this episode, I'm so sorry. But I love developing love these amazing games, and if it comes to Switch, I will buy it, even if it's, like, Japanese only. I will buy it, and I will have it on my shelf, and it will be my pride and joy, in terms of 2022 releases. So I can have a game this game physically, and have this masterpiece on my shelf, and even some, like, Merc, because I haven't got any Merc for the game, and I want Merc, because this game's amazing, and I want merchandise. Anyway. So, you know... I'm going to stop about why I'm two for the day because I'm going to annoy people. So I'm going to try not to reminisce it again. Uh, but I'll go back to Harvest Stella. Uh, played it more of it. Got through towards the end of Chapter 3. And I've tried to put it down for a bit. Mainly because I want to try to play through some more 2020 like free releases before the year's out. Well, not 2023. 2022 before the year's out. Because I've not played many. And I've got enough to kind of... Of a playtime to kind of come to conclusion that yes, this game is great. It's a hidden gem. I want to play again, I want to finish it, it's like, it's great basically, and I do recommend it. And the story and dungeon is a great, and the music as well, I just think it's, it's really opening up in the variety of dungeons and the design, and of course life getting easier. i got a cute animal, so I can go through the world and ride on a cute animal, and especially because I've fed the animal, I level up, and time consumed between going between cities and towns is really like shorter now, which I really, really like. Uh, minor spoiler for a story element, but there's a courtroom scene in one of the chapter 3 portions, which I'm not saying which one, but it's a clear reference to Chrono Trigger, which I've not played Chrono Trigger, but I know that people who've played the game, they see those kind of scenes as like, oh wow, it's such a cool reference, and like, I've seen screenshots of this courtroom scene, so I, I know the reference, and it's really cool that it's there, because if you're a long-time fan of traditional RPGs, especially the kind of things that Square Enix put out in the 1990s, I think that you'll find a lot to love about Harvest Stella, even if you're not super into the farming. And I like that, that Square Enix are acknowledging their past like this, and the very masters, which is really cool. And finally, for what I've been playing, I tried another demo. This one is for Adventures Academia of the Fractured Continent, this is a strategy RPG by Acquire. It is a spin-off in the Class of Heroes series. Uh, this one's coming out in, in the West on 9th of December for PS4, Switch and PC. Technically, you can already get it on Steam, but there's no English text. And if you want it on PC, I'd actually suggest getting it now. Because after it comes out, they'll probably try to jack the price up. That's just my speculation, though. I know when um, the developers of, like, Song of Memories, like, when that was released on PC, originally it didn't have English text support in it, but then the text was added, and boom, they charged extra money. So, yeah. Uh, buy it now if you want it on PC. That's my advice. I doubt Acquire would make a duplicate listing. I doubt they will, because they're doing it on Steam themselves. But that's beside the point. I tried the eShop demo. Uh, it's okay. Like... It's like a real-time-ish strategy RPG, which is not what I was expecting at all. I was expecting something a bit more turn-based, which is what I would have preferred. And it's a bit difficult to follow, because, like, it's difficult because, it's like, it's very low-budget. And it's, like, visually just kind of, like, you see these characters on this board. It's quite a 2D board. And you can tell it was probably made on a budget. Like, it's not terrible, but I've had it really difficult to follow. Uh, I'm not really sure it's my thing. It might be worth getting on sale. Um, especially for me because, like, 
it is a spin-off for the Class of Heroes series. And obviously, if you know what that is, it is one of the anime series, like, set in, like, with a school setting. And, like, not too bad for being a school setting, but it is really overused in games nowadays. And Class of Heroes, to be fair, and I will defend this game, um, the Class of Heroes series was conceived long before Persona became popular. Like, the first Class of Heroes game was, like, back in 2007, so that was before Persona 3 and 4 even came out. And... I think, no, it came back in 2009, I think, PSP. It was sometime around that point. That's when it came out. Oh, no, wait. The first Class of Heroes came out in 2008, and then the PSP version came out in 2009. It was fairly obscure, so even though it came around the time of Persona 4, it was, like, it wasn't anywhere near as stale for me. Like, I'm trying not to play as many, like, RPGs with high school characters and settings as much nowadays, because, one, it is a bit overused, and it's kind of tiring to see it again, like... Sure, I'll do it in visual novels because, well, it's visual novels and a lot of it is largely skippable compared to the main story. But with an RPG, it's like, yeah, I've played enough of Persona. I'll play the other Persona games, but I'm trying not to play too much. And I'll play Cold Steel 3 and 4 when I get around to those because they also have a high school element. I just try to avoid high school style games nowadays because I just don't want to be like playing games set in this kind of environment anymore than I have to. And I think part of it is well because of my age, like I'm 25, and it's kind of weird having these high school aged like RPG settings. It's just kind of feels a bit weird, to be honest. I'm getting old. I don't want to be like in a high school setting all the time. It's interesting occasionally for games, but not all the time. And um, if a game doesn't grab me like this, then I'm going to kind of, you know, I'm just going to, just kind of pass on it basically or wait for it to go cheap and this game will likely end up being pretty cheap sooner or later so anyway i'm gonna stop for today i've probably gone for over 40 minutes now so this episode is quite long by miller's game room podcast episode standards which is really cool um again if you like and want to support the podcast like comment subscribe etc and so on and so forth thank you very much have a wonderful day uh five star reviews and that kind of thing and I will see you for the next episode of the podcast next month. Thank you and bye-bye.